James Janney creates long-form video essay-style documentaries about the world of business. Sometimes it's exploring complicated subjects that need to be simplified, like the stock market. Other times, it's doing a deep dive on exploitative industries that prey on those who are ambitious yet naive. Before listening to this podcast, look up his channel. But I'll warn you, you'll be quickly sucked into whichever video you decide to watch first. James's content is not a boring rant accompanied by relevant graphics. What's frequently stated by his fans in the comments is that each video feels like a Netflix documentary. This approach is how James Janney went from zero to over 700,000 subscribers in a mere year and a half. If you know anything about this platform, you're aware that this feat is practically unheard of. That's because YouTube is an art. 720,000 hours of video is uploaded daily to the platform. But in order to grow a subscriber base, a loyal following, you need to meticulously analyze your content against the platform's recommendation algorithm, your target demo, rates of retention, and more. James has mastered all of this. In this episode, James speaks about his early interest in YouTube, the path that led him to creating a channel, the emotions that come with overnight stardom, his philosophy on content, and where he wants to go next. Enjoy. So happy to have here uh, the one and only James Janney, uh, the first YouTuber to come onto the podcast to discuss his career a little bit deeper, how he thinks about content, how he got to the point that he's currently at, which the point is 706,000 subscribers. Um, James, first off, thanks to be here, but also if you could tell yourself that you'd be at that number, uh, let's say a year and a half ago, what would your reaction be? Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dylan, for having me, of course. Uh, and I'm glad to be the first YouTuber. Um, man, it's a good question. I think uh, it, it it's so hard to even, and I'm sure we're going to get into this. It's so hard to even understand or to even predict any like anything like what has happened within like the last year and a bit could have happened. Um, but in it, it's happened in such a way where it's almost scary that it's how quickly someone can adjust to it um because if i had just gone back to my past i would said okay this is the position i'm going to be in like yeah right i like, guess no way that's that's actually going to be the case but it's like having gone through the process and first feeling the very like surrealness which again like i know we're going to get into this because there's a whole other crazy story like behind the quick growth of the channel like having the craziness of that happen and then now seeing where i'm at at the moment where i'm kind of more settled in it's a very weird thing and it's almost scary in the, in the in the sense that i've like adapted very quickly to that now um but yeah there's like i i have no idea how my past self would have reacted it would definitely not be in in any way of like belief it'd just be disbelief pure disbelief yeah and that's a really interesting way you put it where 
you never would have thought that you would have gotten to a point where this would have felt normal. But now you're at a point where it does feel normal. And on that, uh, there's a comment that I know I've told you is my favorite thing you've ever said, because I think this is so interesting. And I think so true of any content creator who's experienced their growth, especially in quarantine, where you said like, this could all be a simulation and I would believe it. Like it almost feels like that. So um, I guess elaborating there, if you wanna go back to those very early days, let's let's rewind all the way back to, um, let's even think your, your initial exposure to YouTube and thinking, man, this is something I love. This is a medium I love. Um, how did that begin? And was it immediate of, I want to be somebody contributing to the platform? Oh man, um, I mean, immediate exposure to YouTube obviously came when I was much, much younger. Um, I mean, I could never pinpoint a day, but I'm sure I was on YouTube from like back when I was like 10, 9, 8, like, uh, like crazy long time ago. Um, and I think back then I was very much like into gaming. I remember sort of I was I was like into Minecraft, the early days of Minecraft, not like the the sort of newer the newer like rise of Minecraft that we see. Um, so I was very much into like Minecraft, League of Legends. Like these were kind of the games that I was very interested in as um as a kid. Um, and then I sort of was seeing, oh man, I was seeing like. I saw a lot of channels and I saw a lot of like people begin to grow. I never really understood like how much money people were making or whether that was a thing. Like it was, it never crossed my head to like get into it to create some kind of business around it. Um, it was just very interesting to just see other people grow and I guess become like quote unquote celebrities on YouTube or just YouTubers in general uh, and being able to do it full time was very interesting. The only time I ever, and this is kind of an exclusive thing because I don't really talk about this a lot, but um, the, the only time I sort of took the first steps into starting youtube is um it was it was i think it was like 2013 when i was like 13 or 14 years old when uh i created like a gaming channel um <laughs> this is like i've never i don't tell anyone this right there's only a few friends that uh that know about this channel and it's still up to this day um but i think i've unlisted all the videos on it and i created this like gaming channel which was uh which is all like these league of legends kind of highlights um and i was like very inspired by donkey at the time um, who was like a League of Legends YouTuber and now he does, yeah, you may have heard of him, Video Game Donkey. So I was very inspired by him and I did a lot of videos kind of like his style. Um, it was a complete rip-off of it. But, but that was like my first ever step into doing YouTube. And then I remember kind of like just stopping the channel after I think like 12 videos um, because I had exams and stuff and I just wasn't able to do it. And that was like my first ever taste um, of trying to create content. But then since then I was very much a watcher. Um, I was, I didn't then care anymore about like whether creating, I wanted to create content all it wasn't in my um in my in my desire to do that um and since then my kind of main uh, goals and, and what i was aiming for had been completely different like i was much more focused on on sort of acting that was a big thing for me becoming an actor um and that's what i did throughout you know sort of teenage years um coming up to sort of the the time in which I was you know going to almost going to university because I didn't actually go and I made the decision not to uh, or, or more accurately I tried to get into like drama schools which are universities specifically for acting but didn't manage to get through um, which you know actually ended up paying off which which we'll get into uh, later but um yeah so then it was very much about acting uh, for me and um, YouTube was just something I watched on the side 
So where do you want to go from there? That's kind of like my first exposure into YouTube. <laughs> I think the rest of the podcast only has to be an examination of your League of Legends content. That's the only thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> never, never, ever, ever. That content is staying locked and secured. Wow. Like there'll have to be a, maybe it'll be like a, a tier of the Patreon. Like, you have <laughs> exactly. To, like, go on to some high level tier. You to contribute a thousand dollars a month. Fine. You'll see my League of Legends content. But um, you did allude to something there, which I, I always find find so fascinating with your story and how you got to where you currently are on YouTube, which is uh, drama, theater, acting. That was really your focus. And anyone who knows your content might actually see that as, as quite a surprise because there is a stigma that may very well be unfair that, oh, if you're acting, you're a very, you know, it's the left brain, right brain kind of thing, and you would never have interest in business. So, um, where did that passion uh, sort of start and then end? And then how did that transition into, oh, wow, being an entrepreneur, business, these stories are my core focus. And this is what I really want to tell to the world. Yeah, yeah, brilliant question. Um, because it, it was actually a very important thing. Like this, this sort of this sort of split side of like me as a creative doing like acting stuff and that sort of work and then me in like the business sense of being very interested in entrepreneurship um and i guess what we now call like the creator economy which is like kind of what i guess i'm, I'm becoming a part of I, I, yeah um so essentially i was doing acting that was the thing that i wanted to do by the time i was leaving uh what we call here in the uk sixth form it's sort of like the two years you have like the two years you have before you'd go to university um and i was kind of in sixth form it was the big thing i was doing was acting and i then began auditioning to get into drama schools um and then this is like a whole kind of hustle to do you have to like prepare these monologues that you have to sort of rehearse over and over and i was going to a lot of like workshops trying to train and practice um and i didn't get in on my first year which is fine because you kind of you, a lot of what you're told is you know drama schools are exceptionally difficult to get into um this is a thing that's going to take you you know people take two years three years like auditioning to get into um into these things and you can only audition once a year of course um and so what ended up happening is i failed on my first year getting in so the next year comes along this was when i took uh, a gap year and it was during this gap year uh where i at the same time i took like a sort of one year acting course part-time to sort of continue training my acting ability and get prepared for this for that second year of audition uh, of auditions and during that year was where my interest started to to change up a little bit and 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 partly the reason for why this happened was the holiday that happened just um just as the end of sort of the summer uh, end of sixth form was coming along and that summer was there and it was just before the gap year began i went on this holiday with my friends in portugal and like long story short i had uh i had about like i don't know like 600 in my bank account um like 400 in cash and like i came back and like that was all gone like <laughs> the whole thing got rinsed and my phone was broken it was just like it was a holiday where i basically wasn't paying attention to my bank account at all and it just got rinsed um and so for the first time i kind of was in a position where initially when you're an actor the big thing that you have in your head right or at least from what i've observed like being in a lot of like acting social and knowing a lot of actor friends is you kind of just assume you're going to be broke um until you make it that's sort of like the main assumption um like you're going to be working kind of these uh jobs as like a waiter or whatever it is like um low paying jobs because that's just the way it is you're trying to be an actor you're trying to make it and that's what you do only when this holiday happened was this like sudden urge to be like 
actually, I, I, I need to like make some money. I leave, look, I'm, <laughs> I'm broke as hell, man. I've just lost like all my, all my savings. And so I need to do something to make money. And it was that urge that kind of put this spark in me that, that turned my attention to something different, which was business and entrepreneurship. Um, and my initial introduction into that was, uh, and I guess this is a whole other rabbit hole that maybe we won't go all into, but my initial introduction to that uh, side of business was through what I like to call like the Instagram entrepreneur type of thing, where it's like, Instagram brilliant this is like the instagram entrepreneur so you go onto instagram it's like entrepreneur in the bio and it's like the lamborghinis in the back of the mansion and it's like this depiction of i guess um like entrepreneurship is this very romanticized version of what it really is uh and it almost strips away any kind of element of what like entrepreneurship is supposed to be or what like the core of it is um which is you know trying to solve problems or trying to find gaps in a market and trying to actually like there's all of that stuff is kind of just stripped away and it's just presented as this materialistic very romanticized thing of what it is that's my introduction into business and entrepreneurship but of course at the time my like my goal was to get money so when i'm being presented this this is like this puts me into that that sort of wormhole of where like this is brilliant this is exactly what i need to do um and i mean you go through sort of i i went through like looking at so many gurus and and like I, you know i started with gary v for example um and not that i actually think gary v is is a pretty good guy i think he's got like some solid gold advice that he gives out and it started with kind of gary v talking about oh like begin by flipping items on ebay which is what i did with a with a friend of mine um who i called up literally afterwards to just tell him hey do you want to do this we started doing that i made pretty much all the money that i'd lost from that holiday from just doing that just flipping items um and i remember like selling a bunch of stuff in my room as well that i already had because i was just i was i was going through a whole phase and this was also when i was getting really into self-help as well i was going through this phase of trying to uh, like no longer play games etc etc it was like this this sort of phase that i was in um anyway i did this um flipping stuff uh onto ebay going to these uh car boot sales is what we have in like the uk i know they say like uh, garage sales is more of like the u.s thing um but but here in in the uk they sort of call it car boot sales because people come in their cars and, and sell like items from like the car boot technically is, is i guess how they this is the sort of justification of the name but um yeah so we did that made that money back and then uh i mean watch now like more and more of these videos um it was slowly creeping in to become like a bigger and bigger interest of mine where it was like business and, and entrepreneurship and the idea of starting a business was becoming far more interesting to me than acting um and that i guess is is is, is a really tough realization uh this especially when i've devoted so much time energy uh into doing acting i want to ask um, on that yeah. really quickly because that yeah, is yeah. so interesting because I, I i mean i cannot imagine take the resources the time the effort that you put into acting school and the draining nature of auditioning and then not getting something that it must th run through your mind, that sort of sunken cost fallacy of like, oh my God, I invested all this time. Was that all for nothing? So was that partly holding you back maybe from fully going head on as soon as you really wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, I think, and it's not just the, the fact that it's like effort and time, it's very much my identity was built on um, on doing acting and being an actor. Like if you went to, you know, if you today like spoke to anyone who was a friend of mine, who somewhat knew me, whether it was in college or whether it was in um, uh, like six form, we sometimes call college sixth form in the UK. So sixth form, whether it's in secondary school uh, and you'd like ask them, you know, 
what, what, what do you know about James? Like one of the things that they will tell you most likely is they knew that I wanted to be an actor. Like this was something that I told people within the first five minutes was speaking to me. It's like that thing that people knew me as, even if you hadn't like spoken to me for a very long period of time. Um, it was very much baked into my identity and who I considered myself to be. So then coming to this like sort of realization where my passion was switching up and my interest was switching up into something that was no longer that um was very tough now i didn't tell anyone this as this was this was a um, man this was like a mental battle that i was going through and it was like for a period of several months where it's just me going back and forth in my head thinking like what do i want to do like how, how am i gonna like do am i really giving up acting in many ways i was saying no 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 i'm not giving up acting i'm just doing entrepreneurship as well right like it was like how i was justifying it um but as the months kind of continued the more and more those like sort of inner debates like went on in my head the more i became comfortable with the idea that hey like i'm changing and like i'm not actually that passionate about acting anymore um that i'm actually far more interested in starting up a business and, and creating something um and uh and i think then eventually it was towards that end the end of that sort of first year um or that that one year course that i was doing in acting where i was slowly starting to say to people that hey like i'm not that interested in acting and i'm probably not going to do it and uh and one of the fears that you have, and I think a lot of people kind of sometimes get this right, is like that when you've built so much on, on this idea that you've got a passion and you tell everyone is that you're worried that as soon as you tell people, and this is a huge fear, is like they're going to suddenly be like, what, you like given, you've given up on your dreams? It's like, I can't believe it. Like you feel like you're going to disappoint everybody. And the moment I started telling people uh, that I wasn't considering doing acting, nobody cared. <laughs> in the sense that nobody cares as much as i cared or made it as big as it because like everyone else is like they've got their own things to worry about like i guess like there's a there's a fleeting moment of thinking oh well that that's a shame james i'm sorry to hear that and then it's like they've got their own issues to worry about um and in many ways that was a sobering realization that and uh, i think the, the, the hardest one was telling my parents is probably the hardest one out of it because my parents um were just as invested in in the idea of me doing acting and i'm very lucky to have that as well so like they were very much invested in the idea they helped me when it came to like paying for workshops when i couldn't pay for it etc etc so telling them was probably the hardest um people to tell when they were actually the last people that i actually like sort of mentioned that i was losing my passion for acting um but look eventually it was the more i spoke about it the more it kind of became i became more comfortable with that idea that i was interested in doing other stuff um and it turns out in that second year of auditioning which i still went through i still went through the auditions uh for drama school that second year i got very close to getting in very close um like the final round of a very well like a well-known drama school here in the uk and i didn't get in and it's a very good thing that i didn't but i'm going to come back to that later yeah because i mean obviously there's a whole other bunch of things that have now happened um in retrospect that that make the fact that i didn't get in a good good thing i know isn't that wild you probably were so set on if this doesn't happen this <laughs> immediately puts me on a path that uh, i don't want to be on this is the only <laughs> way that i really see forward yeah and yeah, then evidently, yeah, yeah. little did you know that it was that circumventing <laughs> that is what put you yeah. on the right path. So yeah. on that, clearly what you found, and you tell me if this is an accurate assessment, is, all right, I love film. I love entertaining people. I love telling people stories, but I yes. love entrepreneurship. So I imagine right there, you met the two in your brain and said, what if I started a YouTube channel specifically about this? So did that come sort of as you're telling people, hey, I, you know, drama, I know you thought that was me, but it's actually going to be entrepreneurship. Was it right around that point that the realization happened of, 
you know what? I may as well make a YouTube channel and sort of get the best of both worlds with this. No, actually it wasn't. Uh, and this is probably not not necessarily a mistake, but the first lesson I had to learn. So what I did was I, because I was getting into business entrepreneurship, I started leaving the creative side of me uh, at bay or just almost putting it on pause because I kind of not realizing that in fact having creativity and bringing that like part of me that is that is something that's very like you know something i've trained in and something that i've built up over these years bringing that into entrepreneurship is an amazing thing that you can connect i didn't do that so i i didn't even think to do that um and so instead i went down like more of like a hardcore like business approach and i wasn't considering like merging these two things together so in fact the first like sort of venture if you can even call it that that i went into properly was with another friend of mine um where we did this like marketing agency thing um and we basically set up this marketing agency. It was supposed to do like social media for, uh, we were specifically going for restaurants. That was like the niche. Um, and we spent, you know, I think a solid six months doing this. So it'd be like cold calling uh, in the in the afternoons, in the mornings, we'd often spend like, like, you know, going through a bunch of like local restaurants and stuff, just like writing them down in a list and then cold calling in the afternoon, trying to set appointments. Um, and we went, we went through this like solid six months and trying to follow up on emails, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and like, you know, this was my first taste of sales as well, which, you know, was like reading a sales book versus actually being in like a, a, a meeting where you're trying to pitch somebody is like two completely different things. Yeah, I, I'm just so many cringe, cringy stories from that. Yeah, like it, it was crazy. So we did this with my friend. We really went at it. Um, and by the end of the six months was the first realization where I was like, okay, I'm clearly not that interested in this business. I kind of just jumped into it because I wasn't really thinking about, can I solve a problem in this market? Can I fill a gap in this market i wasn't thinking of any of these things i kind of rushed into it with just the mindset of we're gonna you know let's just get 10 clients at ten thousand a month uh one thousand a month and that's bang that's a hundred k a year in revenue that was like the kind of thinking i was at. this is like the very baby stages of, of trying to so that was like the first kind of venture i did um during this time as well another pivotal thing that happened in the story was i read a book um by a guy called mj demarco which is called the millionaire fast lane um and uh, and the book that he had that sort of was followed Following long from out which was called unscripted these books were very pivotal and they they were is the right word pivotal yeah Piv yeah. yeah that's the one you got it uh yeah <laughs> they were very pivotal pivot pivotal in my uh interpret or, or my view of what entrepreneurship was it was the switch from looking at in like quote unquote instagram entrepreneurship to like what it really is which is this idea of like actually finding some kind of problem that you can bring to the market um and so you know you know sort of actually looking at that value that you can bring as is sort of i guess uh, overused as that word is um so as i read that book it was sort of while i was in the marketing agency and it, it was part of the reason why i realized okay i went into this for the wrong reasons i had the wrong ideas about it so me and my friend kind of called it quits next thing i did was now looking for problems this time uh, one of the issues that i know is that hey like a lot of people including me who didn't come from like uh, a background where i was looking and i think in school in general doesn't teach you too much about like let's say personal finance or just finance related subjects um I looked at that and I was like, okay, that's a problem. Like, what could the solution here be? One of the things that I loved was uh, this website called Code Academy, which is about teaching people how to, if, if you know anyone hasn't heard of it, it basically is teaching you how to code, um, but it does it in a very like, uh, very easy to access sort of way. It makes coding very accessible. I loved that website and I thought, what if I could create something similar, but for finance related subjects? And so I set about trying to create this thing called uh, Quidemy was the name. Um, 
of this this whole platform now i tried building it that took me a little while like learning how to uh, i wasn't learning specifically how to code the website in html or anything but it was uh it was done through wordpress that was initially how i was going to start it up like trying to create that you know mvp right um and and it was in wordpress that i was trying to create this website and this platform and it was as i was doing this that my interests were I slowly began looking at YouTube and the reason for this it was it was a couple like reasons for it so like one was I was watching at this time quite a lot of like YouTubers that, w- that were in the finance uh, and entrepreneurship niche um, as, I, as I'd mentioned because I was like already as soon as my interests were changing these were like the sort of content that I was getting into on YouTube um, one of the big uh, sort of things that I noticed in this space was that there are a lot of what I felt like was either disingenuous people or just people that didn't they didn't feel like they were being real if that makes sense um and i I know that sort of now there's been a whole wave and a whole backlash against that uh recently which i guess like part of my my uh, my channel has also contributed to that um but there were also channels that i did felt like were really great and i think were people who were just being real and even if they didn't necessarily have anything crazy special that they brought to the table just them being real was like a usb and one of one of these channels um that that i you know was absolutely inspired by was graham stefan um and graham stefan was like super early to the finance niche on, on youtube um and you know and no offense to graham because he like you know I, I always watch his stuff like it's not like graham did anything crazy special with with his channel it was just very much talking head videos talking about subjects that he enjoyed like personal finance uh real estate related content but then i remember seeing graham start to talk about like his earnings on youtube and now of course it's not necessarily always about money but I didn't consider YouTube because I didn't understand what kind of scale this thing can get to be. Like, I thought that, you know, people that make big money from YouTube were people in the 20 million, 10 million. So I didn't think people in hundreds of thousands were making that much. Like, Graham Stevens started disclosing his income and it, like, absolutely, like, blew my mind hearing about it. And so it was the first realization that, hey, because, like, obviously one of the things that in, in MJ DeMarco's book that I'd read was, you know, you got to also look for things that do have scale in them. Um you don't want to start a business with like very small scale you're kind of setting yourself up for a trap right off the bat so that was the first sort of light bulb moment of oh there might be scale in this thing plus graham isn't necessarily someone special but he's managed to do it himself uh so you know looking at that i started to also think about and this was going through my head as i was like working on the quidemy thing i was like maybe i could start a youtube channel to kind of indirectly promote quidemy now to this day, I wonder whether that thought was really about indirectly promoting Quidemy or whether it was just I really wanted to start a channel. There was like that creator, like that, yeah, like that creator part of me just wanted to do it. But like the Quidemy sort of thing was giving me an excuse to say, oh, but this is like to, to sort of market the, the, the website and the business that I was already working on. That's what I think. Now, when I look back in hindsight, that's what I think was going on. Um, uh, then, 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 sort of like the the one other reason as well is that I was very much interested in building a personal brand. I think like when you look at and and what we now like now is that I guess the term is the creator economy is like you look at people who have built these uh, huge personal brands and from that are able to create like businesses and like huge huge businesses just by virtue of like having an audience that likes your stuff um was something that i was realizing and seeing and i was like wow that is like incredible to be able to do that even with just a hundred people like there's the classic thing of um there's like the a thousand loyal fans um i can't remember who like there was like an essay of it that was written um but the idea is that you know if you have a thousand loyal fans and there's like a lifetime value of a of a hundred um dollars for each fan that's a hundred thousand dollars in a year um so that was an interesting concept that i read about as well so i was sort of starting to realize the power in building a personal brand as well so kind of all these factors combined 
put me on the sort of tipping point of okay i want to start a youtube channel then another thing like sort of big thing where i applied what i had learned from like mj demarco's books and like what i consider to be actual entrepreneurship is how do i actually stand out in in this youtube space and see that is so interesting because we, we have to dive into that where one of the uh, there's many reasons and you know of course i went over this in my preface but uh you know that okay um your channel blew up faster than your average channel reaches the numbers you have. To say uh, more than an average, uh, that's an oversimplification. Your channel is a complete anomaly in how quickly it grew. And I think a lot of that, what's really important is your first video from the get-go. Well, many content creators, you go to Mr. Beast, you go to his backlog, it is years of like kind of figuring it out, kind of doing little things. And of course you had your League of Legends things years prior, but we're not counting that. When you decided to really launch this, it was from video one, there was thoughts into the thumbnail, the structure, the time, the story. You wanted to immediately come out, having it be very focused on what you were doing and how it was gonna be different. So I think that's a really key point to hone in on now. Um, and I, I'd love for you to elaborate on that because your philosophy must have been, all right, first video needs to be the gold standard. It's not going to be finding my footing. I want this to be as absolutely impeccable as it can be. Yeah, let's dive into it. Um, I think it's interesting. I think initially it didn't, it, it, it did definitely like have that at the start. I have obviously improved over time um, with, with how I create my content. Um, but it was absolutely a case of, well, like if I was going to get into it, like I wanted to make sure I understood like how this algorithm thing worked, um, like how I should be structuring my content or creating my content. And obviously, as I mentioned, how can I stand out in this space that I was trying to get into, which was sort of like finance, sort of business, sort of entrepreneurship, sort of within this kind of niche um, of these subjects. And obviously, I guess it's like a, a smaller sub niche that I'm in, which is like talking about scams and like exposing certain like shady things um which i do so one of the things that that was big for me was okay how do i stand out so i looked at and this is where the connection between my creative self and like entrepreneurship began to linger i looked at okay i have got a lot of experience with acting which has obviously helped me when it comes to things like narrating or creating a story um or scripting something uh so or, or just even like you know because by virtue of being an actor i was very much like watching movies and films and whatnot and so i like get a get a sense for how to make something entertaining or at least i hope to like think that was something that i had um and so i thought it's probably not a lot of this and at least from what i've seen there's not a lot of this in the finance niche um and so what if i could bring those elements into that niche with my channel mix it together to create something that is a completely like unique product in that sense and that's like the mentality that I had going into it. Um, so like, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, like it's worth knowing that at the start, although like I wasn't at that point that I wanted to be at, that was the intention um, that I had. And I, of course, had done like looking into, um, I'd actually taken, this is not like prom promotion or anything. I'd taken like Graham Stephan's course. Um, obviously there's plenty of resources online to learn about the YouTube algorithm and whatnot. I just took Graham Stephan's course because I was inspired by him and I thought, okay, great. Like I can get taught by Graham, right? Um, so 
that kind of course helped me and i remember i just spent one month was what i did right and bear in mind like i like a lot of people kind of see video editing as a big unique selling point of my channel um and it's definitely become that i didn't have any experience editing other than doing like league of legends videos like back when i was a kid which were like terrible um terrible edits or just definitely nothing compared to what i do now um and on a completely different software that i use now um so i gave myself one month and this was now to give you a time frame this was like 2019 uh december to just uh come into the late january between this this month um where i spent that month just learning like one about what the youtube algorithm is or like how does it work and two how to edit videos at least on just the basic level uh, to get me started so that's what i did in that month and then on the 27th of january i launched into the first video um do you and, and do, should i continue like going down the because i'm going to take you down the timeline of, of sort of where the channel goes exactly and and that's where we need to uh immediately go into this because you can't talk yeah. about that first video without talking about what were your expectations versus how did things really materialize because yeah, 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 to yeah. say it exceeded expectations i'd imagine would be uh quite an understatement yes one of the things that i sometimes worry about especially because i was i was very much i lucky in the sense that i think you know although i was trying to create content that i expected to to do really well i was lucky in the sense of how quickly the channel began to pick up um in in the short amount of videos that i had done i i, I don't i i almost fear that people will look at that and think that that was my intention was to go in and immediately just blow up straight away that wasn't like i had a goal and i've had it written up on my whiteboard i haven't rubbed it off since like the start of that year 2020 where it, ha where it literally says get 1000 subscribers on youtube that was like my goal and i would have absolutely have been happy i didn't even believe i could hit that but i thought if i got 1000 subscribers by near the end of this year this would have been a successful year um, that was my goal because I was very much looking at YouTube as a very long-term kind of game. Um, and, and that's how I think anybody who is trying to get into it and wants to do it seriously should look at it for as like a long-term thing. Like don't look at my channel or, or anyone else that has maybe exploded like really quickly um, and think that that's like, that's the expectation or that's how you, because that, that wasn't how I was going about this at all. Um, my thing and my approach at the start was, yes, 1,000 subscribers is my goal. If I can hit that, that would be brilliant. But also what I want to do in my channel is I just want to build up a catalog so that when people start to discover my channel, they can go onto a piece of content. And now this is my strategy. I'll put in a disclaimer. There's a lot of, and I've learned this over time, like there's a lot of different strategies for getting a YouTube channel started up on how you want to approach your content. My strategy was I wanted to create content that was almost like a gallery uh in the sense that each bit of content well, felt like a mini movie to some degree which is obviously where i begin to bring in my acting experience in the past and that allowed me to stand out with these bits of content it feels like a mini movie it tries to tell a story it's very gripping it leaves you what i intended it for it to do is to leave you feeling like damn like i gotta watch another james johnny video like this is brilliant and so i wanted to build up this catalog of videos so that whenever someone did discover the channel whenever that would be whenever these people would encounter my channel hopefully if the algorithm promoted it a, li a little bit whenever they discovered it they would go on to the next video and they would become a fan because of, i've created this now catalog of videos that was my strategy from the start was was doing this um and so i put quite a bit of emphasis on the editing i put an emphasis on creating a story with my content um, because again these were sort of the quote-unquote unfair advantages that I was able to have from doing acting in the past and so create the first video the second video i'm thinking of okay what is this going to be i start talking and a lot of my channel is a reflection of my experiences um during the sort of what, what we mentioned before when i was first like 
losing my passion for acting etc and getting into entrepreneurship the second video was about the sort of shady parts um of the sort of entrepreneurship the quote-unquote instagram entrepreneurship thing that i see um and and, and the sort of the quote-unquote fake gurus is now as they, as they call it on youtube um the sort of fake gurus that you see that second video was all about that and it was about kind of exploring that realm but it was also something that i was from, like i had gone through that thing so that's why i started I, I made that video you know videos continue then there was a video where i talk about uh the sort of toxic world of self-help was the title of video so i had been in like you know doing a lot of self-help stuff as well as i mentioned and it was talking about the very like toxic elements that, I, that of that that i had observed and that was you know and a part of this is as well my content was I feel like another unique selling point was creating content that was approaching a subject in maybe a way which hasn't been approached before. Um, this definitely wasn't like my intention at the start, but it it's now something I look back at, like you commonly see, I, I know now, like I see it. Um, and, and maybe this is something that I feel very strongly about is like trying to approach the truth of something. Um, and so a lot of my videos are like geared towards like this wording, like the truth about or the dark truth of, because um, I, I guess for me as a, as a personal sort of thing that I always try and look for is like to get to the truth of something as much as possible. Um, that is yeah. really interesting. Um, and I want to put a pin in this because mm -hmm. I have a question on that, but even rewinding a second, which was the video that, uh, and the word viral, I hate it because, oh, everything's <laughs> viral. It's like, yeah, we live on the internet. What isn't going to go viral? Yeah. However, one of your videos really went viral. And that's when things, yes. that's when the rocket ship took off. Which video was that? Was that, if I'm remembering correctly, was that the guru video or yes. had this already happened beforehand? It was the uh, the guru video. So to, to put it in context, I had uploaded seven videos to the channel. And after the seventh video, like about, thing like two weeks after uploading the seventh video was when i i kind of woke up literally woke up one day you know morning routine open up my phone check the analytics where i normally get like zero to six ten views normally it's like even zero you know i'd barely get me i was seeing like five to ten views an hour consistently and i'm just sitting there thinking okay like someone has pushed this somewhere and bear in mind my channel was about at this time 230 something subscribers i'm thinking someone must have put this video somewhere like and it's getting some attraction i go into my back-end analytics i see that it's now coming from the fake guru videos where the views are mainly coming from and on the fake guru video i see that they're coming from the suggested videos um and the homepage. And seeing that is obviously the confirmation that, oh, in fact, it's the <laughs> the thing that's like put my video out there is, is not a person, it's the algorithm that's doing it. Um, and so it's actually like the first time a video is being picked up by the algorithm. Seeing that was like a really weird, I guess it's like when you're when you're starting, right, as a YouTuber, like the big thing, I guess the, the first objective that you want to hit is like a video that gets, you know, blessed by the algorithm, right? Like that's the big like first goal that you want to do when you're creating your content. So seeing that was like, wow, like this has managed this, like I've managed to do it with one video. So the Vega video, Vega video was the first one. And I want to say started. really quickly as well, because this is something we've actually talked about quite in depth on this podcast before, but... I think a lot of people are quick to say, oh, the algorithm, I got so lucky. You know, it was a random draw and I was the one who was chosen. However, I think where you're kind of selling it short is, no, the algorithm examined, okay, this video has unbelievably high engagement and likes and comments. The retention on the video is very high. Therefore, it is good for us to promote this to others because it's clear that it's responding to the community. So I, I want to make that point clear before we even proceed with that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, like, obviously, as, as 
part of those analytics, the the kind of underlying conclusion is that because it fulfills that criteria, the content itself is good, and it's it's done something with its title and its thumbnail, which is obviously from the from the get go. I was trying to create videos that had that good title, had that good thumbnail, um, and also was good content. So trying to fulfill those like three big criteria of click click through rate, watch time, um, and watch retention, like. Those were the three big things that I was absolutely aiming for with the video um, itself. Obviously, my focus had always been on quality content. That was a big focus that I had. Um, but yes, Fake Guru video begins blowing up. Um, but I guess what kind of ended up happening afterwards, like the the sort of build up and how this snowballed to the, to the way in which it did, was something that I absolutely wasn't expecting. Um, and so to, again, put it in context, the, I've already put out seven videos at this point. I'm working on the next video, so there is no new video that has come out yet. This figure of video starts blowing up, so I, you know, you get the five to ten views an hour, and obviously by the the virtue of YouTube and the strategy that I had, this was like the most rewarding thing. I swear, Dylan, it was like I saw the fake guru video blowing up right so that's the algorithm is pushing that and my strategy from the beginning was when someone sees a content and they think damn this is really good i need to see what other content james Janney is doing and when you when i saw the fake guru video blowing up every other video as a consequence was starting to to have views and it was starting and this normally happens but it was happening in a way that we was like now causing other videos to blow up as well um to the point where you know fake guru video isn't even my most viewed video it's actually now the most viewed one is the six million views one which was the untold truth about money video which is the seventh video i did but it wouldn't have blown up if we didn't get that initial attraction from the fake guru video and that what i assume was the initial effect which is hey like i need to watch more of this content like it's really good so that was really rewarding seeing that the figure video begins blowing up as a consequence other videos are starting to blow up then obviously the ones that are the most interesting to people had the better thumbnail or title start blowing up as well um at this time i think we had three big videos blowing up it was a, the self-help video talks about a self-help figure video and the untold truth about money these were the three big ones the other videos were also blowing up as well but just these three were just doing insanely well um again i emphasize no other video was uploaded during this time right this is happening like on a day-by-day -day basis where it goes from so 10 to 15 views on that you know on a day i wake up the next day it's like 50 to 100 and the next day 150 to, to 300 now what the normal expectation for youtubers and now i've understood this from talking to other people normally, normally when something gets blown up by the algorithm you expect that huge you know increase in viewership and then it will eventually sink and and you know die down after a couple days this didn't happen with a video and this is partly the reason why it was so great having this strategy in place from the start because the it just constantly snowballed so it was it climbed up 500 next day to 700 views an hour next day to 1000 next day to 1500 2500 3500 it climbed up climbed up you know the peak of this bear in mind again emphasize no other content was uploaded only seven videos so I'm sitting there watching these numbers rise. At the peak of this, the channel was getting about like I think it was like six to seven thousand views an hour. Uh, I there was like a one or two days I think that I was hitting almost ten thousand subscribers a day, um, and again, no <laughs> videos were being uploaded during this time. This is all within the space of one month. Uh, to, to 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 then kind of put it into context, like the the next time I uploaded a video after the seventh video where i initially just had 230 subscribers the next time i posted a video i was over 100,000 subscribers so which is wild it was 100x the whiteboard goal yeah. of yeah. 1,000 <laughs> subscribers and and now that you're at this point because you had that insane blow up where you were planning for the long game but your planning had worked out so well 
that you immediately started reaping the rewards of setting up this structure of evergreen content. There's going to be many people who get compelled by this video and then watch others from my channel. I can't imagine the level, first off, the level of excitement, of course, right, but right, the level right. of anxiety, pressure, uncertainty, maybe imposter syndrome, as yeah, you yeah, then yeah, have yeah. to conceptualize the next video where you're like, this is now yes. going out to an audience beforehand. If anything, this was for me. Now there's actual expectations here. So I guess if you can walk through what that must have been like as you start building out the first video after this boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you, you summarized it. So like literally, um, I remember specifically as this thing is blowing up. Now I'm working on the video. I was already working on the video before the blow up was happening. So now I'm like trying to work on it as this like huge blow up is like, is like happening. Um, literally there was a period at the peak of it when I was saying like, you know, it was almost 10,000 subscribers a day. There was this period of four days. I remember distinctly where I was literally getting like heart palpitations. Like my heart was pumping like crazy and there was a whole lot of adrenaline, but it's like, there's a good type of adrenaline that's great. And it feels like, you know, it gets you, you know, energized and excited. And then this was the type of adrenaline, which wasn't that great, which is very, very anxiety inducing. Um, it, it just, I couldn't focus on anything. I couldn't focus on even trying to create a new video. I was, um, I couldn't eat properly. Like my, my appetite was like gone. I couldn't control my breathing uh, probably. Like I was like, <laughs> like it literally was a point and it was very annoying. I've never like been in a position and, and having done acting, like being on stage can be like also nerve wracking. I've never been in a position. This was the feeling that I would get. I know that and I remember I used this analogy and I just remembered it. This is the feeling that I got just before I was about to make my first appearance in like a play on stage. And it's like the very like heart is being, the breath almost feels uncontrollable. Um, but it's a brief moment before you go on stage. And normally when you're on stage, suddenly you like you get into it and you're very much in this sort of acting flow and you're in the character. There's just that brief moment before where it's that adrenaline is exciting at that point. Instead, now, it was that moment stretched out over four days. That was what it felt like. And that's no longer exciting. That is just very hard to like deal with. Um, and I remember these four days I was like doing like literally running laps in the local park. Like this sounds really funny. Like now that I think, like I remember back to this, it's just a funny thing to even describe. But at the time it was like horrible being through this um, because I just really wanted to focus on another video. But the, the surrealness of this as, as just further context, as, like this is all 2020, like this is lockdown has happened. Um, and I, I left my job. I was working briefly as an estate agent as well. I was just when I was trying to like bring in some money um, when I was working on the quit of me stuff so i was working as a stage i left that job just like february uh of that year 2020 and then lockdown here here in the uk so this is all during coronavirus like this is literally me in lockdown got nothing else to do but just focusing on the channel as this is happening um i i'm like going through all of this inside of like my bedroom uh and yeah these four days of just you know really really anxiety uh, like heart palpitation like all of this was happening in four days i don't know what happened at the end of that i just suddenly settled in a little bit and i was you know i woke up and like it just that my heart wasn't pumping as crazy as it was um and i was just a little more relaxed and i had it was like the first moment where i was settling into the idea that hey like this is actually now my thing this is like full-time what i do and and then obviously that was helpful for like trying to create more content for the channel. Um, That's interesting but, but, yeah, because generally yeah. they'd say like the cure for anxiety in these situations is maybe accepting failure, going like, you know what, I'm going to try my best, but if I fail, that's okay. But you're saying what really settled that anxiety 
and really fueled the next run of videos and your passion for building out the audience further was, no, this is now my full-time job. And then that settled a lot of those nerves. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know if it was like, I guess it wasn't really like a conscious thing of me going, this is my, it was much more of a feeling of settling into that, that realization um, that this is what I'm doing. Um, like there was still elements of anxiety and in, in trying to learn how to deal with it. Like one of the classic mistakes that I did was, um, that was horrible, but like one of the mistakes that I did was like responding to every single message on my Instagram. Like they, they would call, cause like my Instagram was blowing up, right? And I was a ghost on social media before this, like three photos for like three weeks and then never uploaded again. So now all of a sudden, like my Instagram is just blowing up like crazy. I'm getting all these messages and I was like responding to every single one. Um, and I'd like take hours of my day to do this. And it was just, I couldn't even focus on creating a video. This is partly why like the next video came out like three months later um, after this whole like spiel was going on because I was just learning how to deal with all of this stuff. There's an analogy that I, that I used, um, just another one to throw at you, which was, uh, and I've said this, this is where the sort of imposter syndrome elements can get into it because whilst like having this happen is an amazing thing, there are like negative sides of it or things that you have to deal with that I think is important to like talk about as well. Um, and so I often use this analogy uh to describe it where it's like let's say i was trying to learn uh, like mixed martial arts right and i went to i was going to the gym and this is my training ground and this is how i saw youtube was like i'm gonna just create this catalog of videos it's my training ground to create this catalog and then slowly build up an audience so imagine mixed martial arts going to the gym this is my first training session and this is my chance to make mistakes to learn and grow and get better now let's say you've done this six times you've just finished up your seventh session now of training it's great. You you can make your mistakes. There's no one there to watch you. And then you walk into like your eighth session, and there's like a crowd of millions of people queuing up to now watch you train. And it's like, wait, hang on a second. Like this was supposed to be my chance to like practice and get better at this thing. Um, and now there's like an immense pressure to like do like continue to be good and continue to perform um and this is now something that i face present day which is like the sort of things that the the, the problem because like the f problems on youtube i guess uh, as you channel scales you always encounter new problems when you begin it's like first learning how to get you comfortable with a camera and maybe learning some editing then you know as you as you progress in your channel scales are different problems that you face like and, and you know one of the ones now i face is the idea of just kind of releasing that sort of pressure that I feel on myself to be more consistent with my uploads. That's another thing. Uh, and also like just building a team, which I, we can maybe start talking about a little later. Um, so yeah, the problems sort of shift up, but it's important, I think, as well to emphasize that, yeah, there are things, especially when this kind of thing happens really quick, that, that, that there are downsides to that. Like I'm absolutely grateful for everything that happened, but uh, of course there are things to, to always be aware of and, and imposter syndrome and, and that kind of anxiety and pressure is absolutely something that gets mixed into that. Yeah. And, you know, even as you talk about the mixed martial arts analogy, I go, you know, if anything, someone who's in that mixed martial arts situation should be making the analogy. Imagine you're a kid on YouTube and then out of nowhere, because I think what really is happening is exponentially more insane than the analogy. And I think maybe for you, it's hard to see objectively that like, yeah, what you experienced is nuts. The growth so fast and it's not even just growth, it's not even pressions. You cultivated a community of people going, okay, we love James Janney, where it wasn't even an explosion of, okay, this video was great. It was, we love this guy and what this guy has to say about this space. So now that you settled in a little bit more, you had a better understanding of, okay, this is my fan base, 
This is how I engage with them. This is my content. I feel really confident in moving forward. Um, what were those next steps? How did the next few months really play out as you accept this and start to build out and further grow your community? Yeah, brilliant question. Um, so yeah, like like as I say, there are new problems that you'll face when a, when a YouTube channel like begins to scale up and new new sort of things that you'll have to learn how to deal with. So one of the big things for me was uh, getting better at uploading consistently. This was one big point that I've always been sort of slacking behind because I focus so much on quality that can sometimes mean a sacrifice of consistency in my content. And although it's great in the sense that like my content can feel scarce, this is also YouTube and it's like you have to bear in mind that you still have to be creating content um, and you know of course like you don't upload for and, and whilst YouTube is still I think they've made really good moves in terms of how the algorithm works so you can take big breaks um, it, like you know you can't just be dead silent for like months on end you've got you've got to have something in place so learning how to get back more consistent has been a big thing for me and I'm still obviously getting better at this um, but, but part of getting consistent is also now realizing hey i'm starting to generate money from this this thing this business that i'm trying to create i need to learn how to now expand uh and i need to learn how to my, my time is being very much put into the creation of this content i need to start looking at tasks that i can delegate out like i need to start identifying what do i enjoy in this line of work and how can i put my most of my time doing that thing and have everything else like put towards other people i really wanted to this for me the big thing was like building a team right because i i have this vision of where the channel can go and i really want it to to be more of this uh, media company and, and we've had like conversations about this as well where it's like i wanted to be more of like a media company where we're creating whether it's like amazing content on youtube i think i'm always going to be creating content on youtube but it would also be like able to you know i'm going to be able to have like a team with me where we can fund like bigger projects bigger documentary projects um where we can pitch that to like whether it's like netflix or hbo or hey or even like our own platform that we have maybe we have like other channels maybe there's a podcast set up like this is like a media company that i would want i want to build um to get there i'd need to build that sort of team and uh, that's one of the not the challenges that i've been facing so recently um i just recently like have gone full-time I, I found an assistant who was working with me part-time and now um they are full-time working with me and they've been amazing um which was very like it's very difficult and one of the one of the toughest things when i'm thinking of like okay i need to expand i need to like find people to you know come on board is like you want to find people that aren't i think the i think the term is like entrepreneur i don't know if that's the right thing it's like an employee who is like technically it's like not really like they're almost they almost feel like a, a business partner in, in some sense yeah if that they understand sense. the vision and i i think yes. that's what's interesting as well if you don't mind elaborating on this mm -hmm. because where it must have been very tough is you go to the comments section of any of your videos and what is the feedback it is, and I mean, of course, this is partly how it blew up, right? It is, mm -hmm. wow, the production value of this is amazing. Yeah. You have a very yeah. clear voice. The production, it's edited in a really perfect, concise way. So how hard that must be to go, I need to partly relinquish control of some of this for the broader vision of building something out, because that in the long term is going to be way more beneficial. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think I was, I was prepared enough uh, and taught enough when I was like 
you know, binging just business books and watching like business content. I was prepared enough to have like the right mentality around it where it was like, look, if I want to create this big business, like I've got to bring in people in the team, but like these people are going to be better than me at those tasks. That I think I was like well prepared enough to have that mindset where it wasn't, I never felt as, as strong of a, obviously there's like that feeling of like damn i like i, I kind of don't want to relinquish control but i understood enough that if i was going to do this like i'm not some special exception out there like i'm going to have to do this like how most people will recommend doing this find people that are better than you are doing those tasks as I, and as i say like make sure i'm doing the tasks that i'm hopefully you know really good at and that i really enjoy doing part of that is like the creative stuff and and coming up with the idea and the story behind a video and i love like doing the narration and stuff um but for other areas and sometimes this includes like the editing when it comes to like keyframing things which is like the bane of me is like i love thinking about the animation i love like seeing the end product but god do i hate like going in and like keyframing each and every like bit of it so that like things like that is where i don't want to be spending my time and i need to delegate that out to someone who can hear about my vision hear about the story that i'm trying to create in a particular video and execute it even better than james Janney can right like that that's kind of the the goal so luckily i, I think i was um I was brought up well enough on those business books to kind of be in the, the right kind of mindset to be okay. Like I'm okay with, with starting to relinquish control in certain areas, but with the idea that, you know, I'm going to be bringing on people that are better than me. Um, now, obviously that, that comes with its own struggle. It's like, you know, how do you find people that are better than you? Like in many ways with my sister now, uh, our, the way in which we met was almost completely out of luck. Um, but they are very much like what I'm looking for in the sense that someone who understands the vision uh, knows that, that we're in this for the long run. And we got like, a, like there's, a great opportunity that we have here that we can build together um and now i'm only now i'm recently just starting to look for an editor as well um for the videos so that that is a whole other challenge challenge but um but yeah like that i, I think in many ways i was i was lucky in the sense that I, I was ready to to jump into that um that challenge of employing people yeah. yeah yeah completely and you know i was originally as a final topic i did want to talk about like how are you seeing things for the future? But you went into that really well. You know, it, you want this to be way more than one guy's YouTube channel. You want to find a way to really leverage this and and allow it to expand into something so much bigger. But um, I'm wondering on that, because talk about anything that's going to be a learning curve. I mean, the amount of feedback you've gotten from a community, whether it's a YouTuber who loves you, whether it's uh, a patron, whether it's somebody who frequently watches your videos, but maybe hasn't subscribed, how are you guiding your business decisions right now from the channel by looking at the sentiment from the commenters or the people reaching out to you? Yeah, good question. Good, good question. I think this is maybe part of a curse of the channel having blown up so quick so shortly is that my data is extremely limited in terms of seeing what my audience likes um like you know most channels will upload you know i think i don't know what the average is i think it's like 50 videos like is the average amount of videos uploaded to get like a thousand subscribers and like here i'm sitting on like 13 videos um trying to figure out okay like here's what my audience likes here's what my audience doesn't like but also matching this up with what i also enjoy creating is another is another aspect of that um because otherwise there's not much incentive to just like create something purely just because an audience loves it you got to enjoy what you're doing as well to some degree um so for me it's been a case of well i can see i mean luckily youtube as well has this like analytics on the back end that let you see okay here's like the kind of channel channels that my audience are watching as well um and where the videos you know what videos people were watching before they clicked off my content these are little things that you can use to gauge 
where my audience is at, what they're interested in, and those those sort of things. I'm still learning. Is is basically what I'm trying to get at. So I'm still trying to figure out what my audience does like for me. Ideally, the ideal spot is they enjoy videos from me because it's really good content, and I can turn a subject that maybe they're not interested in, or maybe they find boring, into something that's really engaging and into a story. Uh, and and that is like ideally the spot that I want to be at. Um, one of the things that I'm trying to do right now, because my big focus is on making sure that I'm consistent with my content and like getting back onto being consistent, is I'm actually trying to avoid too much diving into data and diving into analytics for the moment, just so I can fix this issue that I have, where it's like I want to be better at being consistent. Um, but then as soon as that's kind of fixed up and I've got this editor with me, now I dive right back into analytics and start to really understand, okay, how can we create our content to make sure that, you know, it's what my audience likes and it's also something that we enjoy doing. Um, but of course, the end goal is ultimately we're creating stuff that people enjoy because they really love like the style and the way in which it's delivered, no matter what the subject is. That's the idea. And and like, and it's amazing because people do comment that already as it is. Um, they say like, you know, whatever you create, James, like, I'll try and like send out a survey. Like, here's some subjects. What do you guys like? What do you would be be very like which of these would you be interested in diving into and they'll say whatever All you create <laughs> yeah yeah which is very nice it's like very endearing to have that but of course like that is the ultimate end goal that, that that's that's where we where we can get to um but yeah how is that is that uh does that answer the question more than answers no that is fantastic um and i guess before we wrap up here then um you obviously talked very much down the line what people can expect here but you know, we're still in early 2021. What would you say to the loyal fans? What can be expected throughout the rest of this year? Yeah, yeah. I think this year, as I said, my big focus uh, has been this year to improve on the consistency of the content. So making sure that I get things out on time. But at the same time, because I'm expanding out and building a team, I want the quality to also be the same and also just slightly move up like it's hard because we're so early and I, I my fear is that sometimes it's easy to get really impatient with this um so it's still so early right now but i know where we can be in like three years four years down the line and the sort of ideas that i have in my head and the crazy projects that i can work on then but now it's about like we're going to build that step by step and this year i'm making sure that things are consistent there's so many like interesting things going on right now like uh in the space of finance especially to to, to you know create subjects around that so that's my big focus right now but in like three to four years time i am expecting like very very big stuff to to change like the production value i'm expecting to start upping up like really like you know it's it's gonna get it's gonna get i have like oh man the ideas that i have are crazy <laughs> where it's gonna get into like cinema 4d type of stuff but I, i'm still in that process where i gotta take it bit by bit but um but yeah there's a lot of a lot of exciting stuff on the way this year i think the big thing is just uh consistency and expecting you know james johnny vids will be not not once every three months <laughs> you know yeah. that's like the big thing that's yeah. the benefit of uh an expanded team more than anything but um awesome well again james uh you know i love you this is uh so much fun and Again, I, I think this is going to be so helpful for whether you're a YouTuber in the early stages or whether you're on the industry side trying to get a much better idea of what is going through a content creator's mind. Uh, I really feel like your story has, has gone a long way with this. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Dylan, for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tube Circuit. 
please subscribe for more deep dives and interviews on the direction of digital media and the creator ecosystem.